I started my career as a packaging engineer. I was working for L'Oreal, the cosmetics company. I was working in skincare products, um, working on product launches uh, where like the minimum quantities would be like tens, sometimes hundreds of millions of products. So a lot of use of, of materials. Um, and when you see those products like flying on the conditioning lines, um, there's a part of you that can't help but say like, where is this all going? Like once the cream is used, once the kind of like uh, sunblock or whatever else we're filling these kind of like uh, like jars and tubes and bottles, uh, it, it's all going somewhere. And uh, I grew kind of like uh, more and more kind of like uh, frustrated by what I was working on. And there was kind of like a part of me that was really disconnected from from uh, the, the products and the kind of like that aspect of it. Um, but I thought that I was kind of like uh, the end of the packaging kind of like experience for me. I quit my job, came to study a master's in uh, London where I met my co-founder. I um, thought that I would be kind of like working on everything but packaging. Uh, but uh, somehow we... Uh, we started a little kind of like project um, with this idea of like, what if we could make man-made fruits? How would you make products that are packaged in the same kind of like skins of um, apples and oranges and so on than, than you find in nature? Wouldn't that be kind of like something that is the ultimate kind of like uh, proof that uh, it will not create a long-lasting waste? Um, and that little exploration that started in our kitchen because we didn't have access to labs or anything, um, was very simply with natural, mostly edible materials from like uh, starches and tapioca seeds and cellulose and all sorts of different kind of like uh, things that are used for making mostly food. And one of those products that like uh, we started to get interestingly uh, kind of like focused on is, is seaweed. Uh, we realized seaweed had been used um, without really kind of like being mentioned too much in a lot of... Uh, food products, including the way to make fake caviar, these like small fish bowls that are kind of like um, sold as a as an alternative to the, the real expensive stuff. Um, there was like technology invented um, 100 years ago by um, Unilever and uh, other kind of like uh, big uh, food and ag companies. Um, and we took this as a starting point and we thought, what if we could make not a like a, a food product, but a, a packaging that is still edible but like the 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 element that like encapsulates plays the same role as the the peel of a tomato or an orange or whatever it is and to our surprise we were able to make bigger and bigger bubbles um filling them with with water and different kind of like liquids and that's the point where we really realized that this was a really exciting prototype of something that would kind of do that job um and we were just like two students um kind of like getting ready for the next project so we just wrapped it up made a video put it on youtube and uh, that was just supposed to be documentation of our, our work but that video went viral um and so um like we ended up deciding after graduating that we really wanted to kind of like push this further make it a, a reality so we started working on this as a as a real startup uh in the beginning quite kind of like small and humble but like uh, definitely getting support from chemists engineers doing all of the development work that was kind of like uh, not done in the kitchen and taking things to the next level and uh and that, that was really the, the beginning of, of Nutla and from this first product Oho which is um now used in marathons or festivals um 
we we realized there were so many other things we could be doing with seaweed to replace plastic um and and that was really kind of like the like the goal of it all like the name of the company is not pla for not plastic what we want is to create packaging that is not plastic that is replacing that need for this alien material that doesn't break down in any kind of like uh, natural system and uh, and we found ways to apply it at scale industrially having impact with like uh, takeaway food boxes with flexible films uh, for different products and cosmetics and personal care with uh, like rigid materials uh, paper different types of formats so the goal is to really bring seaweed to the full potential that it can have to reduce the reliance on plastic and make it in a way that like helps brands really use those materials um, instead of plastic on their existing operations. Um, so that means that we need to scale things up, make it work at, at scale for them, not just stay in the lab and kind of like make some prototypes, but it's all about like making it real. Yeah, that's cool. I love the question that you uh, started with, which was, can you do like a man-made fruit like which is essentially implying like uh, you know a packaging that sort of you know decomposes the do you think if i'm just curious you put this video out and people basically signaled hey we're super interested in this by the way it spread do you think you would have pursued this idea had that not happened would you eventually have come back around to it or was that encouragement what you really needed i think we really needed it i think that what was amazing is it was an experience of like um open innovation. Um, we licensed the first recipe as Creative Commons. Anyone could kind of like try to replicate this in their own kitchen and, and making this tutorial actually kind of like uh, seeded um, a number of other companies that are looking into the same space and trying to find their own twist on on, on how seaweed packaging can help. So um, I think that uh, we like what we gave we received back as kind of like a lot of support, but it was a really kind of like great uh, experiment. And I think that um, all of the shortcoming of those first prototypes, they were kind of like tasting like the sea. They were kind of like very fragile. There was like a million things that were, was wrong with them because they were not fully developed. But somehow did this didn't really come across in the video and people were like, oh, that's, that's really like uh, the future of packaging. And I think that like gave us the the confirmation that people wanted to see more uh, alternatives out there. Um, so that was definitely like a huge kind of like boost. And uh, I think that's been a, a huge part of our kind of like um, story. Um, we got that nudge from the crowd to start with. When it came to fundraising, our first round, we didn't manage to raise from angel investors and traditional VC funds. So we went to the crowd and we, fundraise the company with the help of kind of like the crowd so um it's uh yeah it's like something that has come from the general public wanting to see this more than maybe traditional investors or big corporate groups yeah there's a i'm seeing this theme as i have conversations like this that the demand is in some cases intense and and supply is going to take time like we have to like make sure that things are ready and it, and it takes time but that I love seeing it. You know, you love to see that people have demand for this and are encouraging it and, and helping it go. When you told that original story of that original kind of idea, I thought, oh, that must be the OHO thing because it's such a novel product. I mean, when you, if you go through the products that you guys have listed on your site, it, it sort of ranges from like these very sort of novel and unique. And you're like, oh, I want to try that. I'm, I'm curious how that, 
you know, feels works, all that type of thing to like the very, oh, that's a one for one replacement. Like we can start using that today is, do you, do you look at it in similar ways of, of kind of coming out with like maybe a new novel approach of like, Hey, this is a different way to think about packaging versus this is sort of a one-to-one replacement of what we're used to and would fit right into sort of systems and operations right now. Yeah. I think we're really conscious that, uh, um, there's, there's a great deal of impact to have in drop-in replacements, but at the same time, um, it would be stupid to try to replace plastic the way it already exists in the market. And actually, when you look at it, you can create completely new experiences that are only possible because the material is different and, and it would be kind of like uh, uh, like uh, missing out on those kind of like new experiences to just focus on the the like like for like replacements. So we have a strong um, like drive for innovation in the formats as well as the materials um we we don't simply kind of like create uh, like a, a technology but it's really like a holistic approach of thinking how people are going to consume these things what is going to be possible very often when brands approach us um to try to find um like ways to working together we'll we'll kind of like challenge them to say hey if your if your product was a fruit what kind of fruit would it be and like we're not going to make plastic tube equivalent or plastic sachet equivalent but we could make something that is completely different um what if toothpaste was a was a fruit what kind of fruit would it be um it wouldn't be kind of like a tube nature doesn't work with like tube format so i think that's a helpful way sometimes to kind of like um, get out of this um, world that we take for granted where all the formats are basically built around the functionality and the kind of aspects of plastic but that's actually like uh, that's made us very lazy. We, we we're, we're using uh, extremely performant material in applications where we literally don't value it at all, and that's made the rest of the kind of like properties of a product um, like somehow kind of like completely uh, unrealistic in 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 what should or shouldn't be like possible to do on the market. So you have like extremely kind of like sensitive um, active ingredients in products that should be kind of like a lot more simple but we just can't do it because we have plastic like should we continue to have those things or should we just work a little bit harder on the formulation of the content to make it a little bit more kind of like shelf stable and then you can use a lot more natural materials and i think that's that's that dual conversation yes we need to kind of like create more permanent uh, packaging materials from natural uh, resources, but also make a lot of kind of like progress to make the contents fit better, like the like realistic expectations that we have for sustainable materials. Yeah, I I just called, I said, you know, this is a one for one drop in replacement. This is novel. And kind of the point you almost made is it's not novel at all. In fact, it's more natural than, than the thing that we're yeah. used to, right? Like we're actually taking it back to what is Natural. I love that question. Not only does it relate to sort of your original question and insight, but it, I think it helps people understand, like we're trying to move to a more natural place. And also you don't think like this right now, probably. And so it kind of shakes them loose out of the, it probably helps people who are not used to brainstorming and being creative with this stuff, kind of shake it loose and be like, oh yeah, like toothpaste, if it was a fruit, what fruit would it be? That's a question they probably never asked themselves. Right. Yeah. So it helps, it probably helps a lot of people, uh, loosen up their ideas of things and uh, it's a similar when we talk to when i've talked to people in food tech a lot of what they're trying to do right now is just replace things 
Um, but I think a lot of people have this vision of what it could be and what it could be maybe more natural or maybe this unnatural thing that we've are somehow able to engineer, but there's some imagination that can, can be useful. I think, uh, as we think about what the next step looks like. And I think there's a huge amount of, uh, like, um, creativity and delight in nature and like almost exuberance in, in nature that, is really going in the face of like austerity and trying to kind of like make the minimalist thing that would like use the least amount of material. Like nature doesn't work this way, but it's just like none of that material is actually a problem. So I think that that's a really inspiring kind of like future where if we do things in a way that is like a lot more like copying nature, it doesn't have to be like making the the thinnest thing, the, the most kind of like uh, discreet thing, um, you can actually make quite bold kind of like uh, an exciting opportunities to, yeah, like uh, change the, the experience of a product, like making a, like a, an edible packaging. That sounds very kind of like uh, weird to wrap your head around when you're kind of like thinking about the like traditional packaging materials. But this is exactly how fruits work and people don't give it a second thought. And for hundred million years, that's how we've been kind of like interacting with fruits. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. So we call this uh, podcast out of nowhere because uh, oftentimes people are sort of labeled as overnight successes, even though they know they've been working at it for eight years before anybody ever said that. I have a feeling that you can relate to this in a major way. Um you and I had chatted and you were, you know, scheduled to come on and something big happened to you. You want to talk a little bit about the earth shot and how you got involved in that and what that's, what this has looked like over the past few months. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, indeed it is like, uh, uh, it's a long journey. It's been eight years of kind of like working on this before we have, um, the first few millions of products on the market. So it's definitely not happening overnight when you're changing, materials, manufacturing processes, formats, um, even the way people talk and understand what these products are going to be. So it definitely is a, like a journey. Uh, but um, those journeys can be greatly accelerated by some of those kind of like things that happen along, along the way. And definitely uh, December has been a very exciting uh, time for us. Um, so the Earthshot Prize is this um, like global um, award that uh, tries to accelerate the impact of uh, companies across uh, five different categories, the five earth shots. Um, the one that we won uh, this year is the uh, build a waste free world uh, earth shots. Um, it's, uh, it's been created by Prince William with a whole host of kind of like celebrities backing this to make it also as mainstream as possible for people who not naturally kind of like uh, tuning into sustainability might kind of like get a chance of, of, of hearing about it. Um, and it comes with a million pounds uh, like uh, price. So that's pretty amazing. But also there's a great um, like year of support um, with like a lot of mentorship and kind of like uh, connections from a, a global kind of like group of companies that are kind of like trying to accelerate the the, the, the impact that all of these, uh, these winners can have um, and finalists. Um, it's a super humbling moment because the the winners are across all sorts of different categories it's not just for startups it's not just for technology there's people who are just kind of like uh working on impact at the community level there are cities governments that win some of those kind of like earth shots 
So um, to be able to kind of like be in that uh, in in that group is is absolutely amazing. Um, we we operate a lot uh, with like our takeaway food boxes in the world of like sport with stadiums, and uh, actually receiving our kind of like earth shot um, from David Beckham is like a huge door opener when people see kind of like him announcing not plot that's usually like them paying a, a lot more attention to what we do so some of these things go a very long way like uh, um, you can raise a lot of money but actually kind of like making people want to work with you is something that money can't buy and i think that we're seeing uh, that impact uh, people who would not return our calls or would kind of like uh, be very kind of like uh, skeptical about like opening the doors of their kind of like uh, uh, like machines to us all of a sudden are kind of like trying to schedule a call for next week because they want to bring in the the MD and, and, and everyone wants to kind of like understand a little bit more what's happening. So that's great. Um, that's uh, like one part of the puzzle. Obviously we need to be ready to deliver as well. Um, but like um, that, that, that was a, a very special moment in December because the same week that we won the Earthshot prize, we also validated at scale, the manufacturing of our uh, like boxes for takeaway food um, at like a, a much faster kind of like speed and, and a much kind of like lower price and much larger manufacturing capacity. So um, we're virtually kind of like able to multiply by 20 our kind of like production next year, which is uh, a very big kind of like jump in, in manufacturing. And that coming at the time where we literally have kind of like the most attention we ever have is, is really exciting. So uh, we're in, a, in an exciting phase for Notpla. And I think like that goes for uh, all of the other kind of like natural uh, like packaging materials and everyone working in seaweed. Hopefully that has like ripple effects um, for getting a lot more attention on what is happening in this space. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've had an avalanche of attention and all this shared brand equity of you know, these extremely well-known names. I mean, a lot of people in the world know those names, respect those names, but it sounds like it, even though you, it's hard to ever prepare, I think for probably that level of attention, it sounds like you're fairly prepared. I mean, you said you, you're ready to go production at scale and that type of thing. And maybe you don't feel prepared, but I, it sounds like you were about as prepared as a person could be or a company could be. I mean, but how, what do you think about that? Oh, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. We, we are working day and night to be kind of like ready for those opportunities um something like the jump in like scale of manufacturing has been in the works for four years this is kind of like the continuation of like the work of tens of people across kind of like um chemistry engineering design uh constant kind of like relay of like where the bottleneck is and how do we move it from like one 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 team to another and and how we unlock all of these things so um we are like we're doing everything we can at the same time, it's true that like we are a team of uh, like 68 people. So it's like not a small team, but this is very far from like the teams of hundreds of thousands of people who work in plastic packaging, who are kind of like uh, like uh, able to tackle huge kind of like uh, changes in the market and able to kind of like supply in all sorts of different geographies and so on. Right now we are mostly active in Europe. We are kind of like, uh, uh, selling our products in six countries, um, hopefully adding a couple more kind of like this quarter, a couple more the quarter after. But this is still like a very kind of like uh, geographically bound. So that's where like somehow like uh, there are limits to how quickly we can supply the whole world. But the ambition is very much to kind of like be able to do that um, as quickly as possible. 
Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. The attention you're getting, it's impressive. When I look at your product list, just if, you know, anybody can go to your website and look at the products that you have there. It's a lot of products there. I mean, it's, it, it, it's not like you're going to run out of things to do anytime soon. I'm just going to run through them right now. So you've got coding. Oh, that product we were talking about earlier. You got the paper film, pipette, rigid pearls. There's probably others that aren't even listed on here that you guys have in your brains or something. Or when you, when you hear that list played back to you, are there certain ones that kind of pop off to you as like, Oh, that's, we really got to pursue that one. Or that's like a personal passion of mine or any, any reactions to those? Yeah, I think um, from from very early on, we realized the opportunity that is kind of like happening. There is this material that somehow is completely absent from the packaging map. Um, and yet it has an amazing amount of, kind of like potential to reduce the kind of like use of the other ones that are creating so much more kind of like uh, problems. So um, CBD is going to be on the map for sure. And like the question is like, do we think that we uh, are just going to do one very well and we're going to leave the rest of the opportunities for others to kind of like create and it might take like uh, it might take them like uh, 10 years to develop that one and five years to develop that one or do we actually have here the opportunity of creating a platform that is kind of like taking those learnings of taking things from the lab to uh, like market uh, industrialize them and and do it kind of Really had that uh, to do it um, ourselves and that um, right level of kind of like support from our uh, funders and our investors are very much behind kind of like us when it comes to that uh, portfolio approach. There was a huge opportunity to actually kind of like not just be a, a one-off product but become the tetra pack of sustainable packaging and, and kind of like uh, take that whole market um, ourselves. Um, it doesn't come without its kind of like challenges because obviously we have limited resources. At the end of the day, you can't kind of like uh, put a hundred percent kind of like of your chips on 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 all the, the products. And the reality is that um, we are running this as like a we have a portfolio approach that is not too dissimilar to how our investors actually kind of like run their own portfolio. So projects have to kind of like prove themselves to be able to jump to the next level of like resources. Um, so um, that's a little bit the the playbook of how to do it well with within Notpla. You start with like a, like a, an afternoon, uh, like a week from a chemist and an engineer. They're kind of like pulling together a proof of uh, concept of something that could be interesting. And if it kind of like uh, passes the test of uh, going in front of consumers or getting some sort of letter of intent from like uh, clients or a clear path to production, that's when you start seeing that it's worth uh, allocating a little bit more kind of like resources behind. So the reality is that the majority of people are working on the more established products within the team. But like, we don't want to wait like for selling kind of like, I don't know, like uh, 200 million of boxes to start thinking of what is the next thing. Like yeah. we, we have learnings now. And I think that uh, it means we'll be able to kind of like go so much faster the next time and the next time. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're creating your own incubator, basically to test ideas and see if, if you pursue it or you don't move on to the next one. Is there, um, you're, you're probably having a lot of conversations with B2B partnerships. Um, 
but you're also probably hearing from consumers as well because you've had such a sort of a reception from viral videos and sort of celebrity endorsements already. Is there a behavior change that you would like to see either in the workplace in the way they think of packaging and partnerships or from the everyday consumer in the way that they sort of think about what the items that they purchase or their buying habits? Is there a behavior change that you think is needed or overdue um, for the work that you do? Yeah, I think uh, th there's a few kind of like, um, there's a few things that are just completely rigging the the system. Um, the first one is that plastic is actually like only cheap because we've made it cheap by design um, and, and we are subsidizing heavily the the low cost of plastic uh the way it is today uh but like when you look at the the data and there's like been a number of studies on what the true cost of plastic or like the hidden cost of plastic is on society um when you take into consideration the end of life the impact on uh, climate change the impact on our health on like ecosystems all of these things that will have to be paid uh, or will be lost opportunities down the line you're looking at at least 10 times to 100 times the actual purchase price of plastic pellets on the market. So it means that every time we use plastic, we are paying the 10% deposit for what the cost will be on society for the next kind of like 100 years. And that's a huge problem because like uh, we are constantly shifting the burden to kind of like the next generations. Um, and we don't do that only with plastic. Like the problem of society is that we do that with a lot of different kind of like uh, systems and, and, and materials, but um, certainly for plastic, the problem is that this material is virtually indestructible. So the, the negative impact that we will suffer from plastic are going to be having kind of like a, a half-life of 500 years. So we're not going to see the peak of like plastic pollution impact for another 500 years. And, and we're kind of like um, really creating a, a deep problem for ourselves. So the more we can start in incorporating into the cost of the products, the true cost of plastic, the more we are starting to make decisions that make sense. And actually, there's a lot of materials that are way cheaper than like 10 times the price of plastic. And when you start looking at it that way, the cheapest material is definitely not plastic. And I think that um, some companies are starting to, to do it because they get it. Some people are, uh, are some companies are doing it just because governments get it and start to ban or like uh, like uh, impose taxes on some of those categories but at the end of the day this is the hard reality that like plastic has this hidden cost um and that hidden cost um is also kind of like uh, a real climate co cost and and i think that there's a there's a false narrative that like is inherited from the 90s in the packaging industry that Plastic is the best solution for climate change because it's light. Therefore, when you transport it from point A to point B, it's less kind of like fuel that you're going to use than transporting glass bottles or kind of like any other uh, type of material. And that is um, something that is persisting so well when actually like the data doesn't back this at all. Because when you look at the actual impact of plastic on end of life the impact it has on uh, like ecosystems that can 
mitigate carbon uh, kind of like emissions, sequester carbon like plankton and, and, and all the others, we might actually be looking at like plastic having an impact a thousand times worse than glass. But this hasn't yet made it to the LCAs of like the, the, the large corporations and the people who are still going uh, in the media and saying, we are doubling down on plastic because climate change is showing that we should be doing this rather than something else. And I think yeah. history will be kind of like proving them wrong, but unfortunately like too late. Um, so a lot of the kind of work we try to do is on, on education that like all these LCAs, they are completely missing the end of life impact of, of, of these materials that are alien to nature and that are therefore kind of like really messing with uh, number of kind of like systems that are crucial to life on this planet this is uh one of the reasons why we do the show and have these conversations and, and try to share them publicly is because that statement that you're saying is sticking so well with people that you talk to oh well it's good because of transportation the way you and i both know how that came about an association said hey plastic's getting a lot of heat we need to come up with some attribute of why it's sustainable find something Somebody comes up with a line, they go to like a marketing firm or a PR agency who says, oh, I bet we can craft it in this little catchy tagline. All right, now let's do our thing and get that in everybody's heads. And people want to receive that because if that's what they're already doing, it can justify them. See, we're green and uh, it's memorable and it's convenient because it doesn't force them to do anything different. Right. And so that's how that all of that narrative starts to work. And then it gets stuck in there and then you have to and then someone has to unseat it and Everybody involved in that system probably had good intentions. Like nobody probably had bad intentions. They're just trying to do their job. And, and honestly, they're probably not even that educated on what they're communicating. So I think there's a real uh, responsibility on the people who are great messengers to educate themselves, to make sure that if they're going to multiply this message in the world, that they know what they're doing. And so I think for people who are marketers like ourselves, like we really need to take time to educate ourselves because it, it's powerful what we do. We better be sure that we're spreading the right message. Yeah, absolutely. Other, otherwise, people like you are running into this our work later years down the road and be like, that's not right. <laughs> this is not true. Absolutely. You, and I think we're, we're, we're kind of like seeing a lot of movement, luckily. I think uh, consumers are a lot more kind of like discerning than they used to. Greenwashing is rampant, but it's kind of like getting more and more checked in um, and, and I think that at the end of the day, um, there's just kind of like so much growing pressure to do something that uh, we're starting to see real action. You have a lot of supporters and some people who are wanting to adopt or, or use what you're doing. Do you see a common attribute in those who are most kind of passionate about what you're doing or your biggest supporters? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely... Uh, a lot of champions in big groups, sometimes very established groups that are kind of like um, taking it as a personal mission to make this happen um, when it might be quite tricky because of uh, all sorts of different reasons. It might be kind of like uh, very slow processes in those big groups. It might be requiring a lot of changes, but somehow they've kind of like uh, made it their personal mission. And that's the biggest kind of like... Uh, factor of success in our collaborations with some of those big companies it's that champion who is able to kind of like lead the way make whatever kind of like uh like internal work is needed to to pave the way for for something like this to work 
And usually there are people who are driven by like just wanting to like leave a decent planet for their own children who realize a little bit the dissonance of kind of like the work that they do that like there's a there's, there's a negative kind of like element to any human activity and they, they don't feel kind of like that's sitting right with them um and those are very powerful um like things i think that um that that moment where you realize that it's not just you and your health but it's kind of like the health of everyone around you the health of uh, of your children um that that's a powerful kind of like driver for people to rethink what is a priority for them and 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 like being able to kind of like say look people in the eye and say yeah i i did my best and i kind of like enabled this to happen and it wasn't easy but we were the first and we kind of like made it happen anyway that's a very powerful statement of like uh, how these people are doing something quite extraordinary yeah you, i think you have to be kind of a long-term thinker which is th th those are not common to find people who are long-term thinkers but it sounds like you're finding them so You've been at this for now eight years. It's getting more and more interesting every year. What's been the most rewarding aspect of it to date? I think the most rewarding thing is when you see people in real life who use your products. Um, and I think certainly kind of like um, it's happening once in a while that you just kind of like see someone like walking around with like a, like a, a meal. They don't even kind of like really think about it. But like the fact that this would otherwise have a thin layer of plastic and you're like, okay, that's kind of like one piece of plastic we're removing in these people's lives uh, at that point is very exciting. And, and, and this wouldn't happen without like hitting some sort of some scale and going and visiting the kind of like manufacturing partners, the scale at which we are now starting to manufacture. Those are like machines that are 200 meter long. They are producing at incredible speed and like to see the kind of like the seaweed running through this is a super exciting uh, moment when you're like, okay, now it's just about like making that happen everywhere. 